Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. You're tuned into this episode of the Are You Listening podcast, brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment Geo. It's been a couple of weeks, but really good to see you. How has this past week been on your end, my guy? Man, everything's been good. Uh, you know, I've been doing my my basketball training with my kids, so they're keeping me young over there. I've been having a lot of fun with that, and then, you know, obviously Rutgers basketball is in a good place right now, so. Can't really complain, bro. How about you? It's been a, obviously an exciting couple of weeks. Are you basketball related? We'll get into that shortly. But busy, busy, man, uh, balancing out work uh, here here in the city and traveling around with the team. Some crazy road games, which as you obviously you know the demand of being on the road midseason is starting to catch up with me. But this weekend was yeah. much needed from a rest and relaxation standpoint. No, I definitely, I definitely feel that. That's definitely something I don't really miss, man, is all that traveling on the road. But I see you keeping tabs, man, those tweets and, and, and that analysis. Obviously, you know best being in the locker room um, just as of last year, man. How has it been catching all the games, you know, from the, the viewer's perspective? Bro, it's different. It's it's real different. Like I, I I tweeted it out too. Like it's it's a lot harder to watch these games than to actually be playing in them. I get way more stressed out, uh, you know, <laughs> watching just because I, you know, I'm really a fan of the team and I want to see these guys succeed. So, uh, it's it's a different feeling, but at the same time, I love it because, um, you know, now it's I don't really feel any pressure. I'm kind of just watching the games and enjoying basketball. And you know, as a basketball junkie, I, you know, I love to to take it in as much as I can. For sure, man. And obviously, one of the new things you also got to uh, integrate is all the noise, all the fans that are live tweeting and watching it with you. And everybody obviously has an opinion as well. So being able to drown that out and just to be able to sink your teeth into the into the game itself, it takes a new skill set. Yeah, man. Uh, it's 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 been it's been uh, a, it's been fun, though. I, you know, I'm enjoying that. I think it just like now I'm like technically an analyst and that, that, that makes it really exciting to get, you know, the fans to interact with me and we're just talking basketball and, you know, I'm trying my best to, um, you know, educate fans as, as simply as I can too on like different basketball terms and, and, you know, different schemes that Coach Pike was trying to do. Absolutely, man. And and not a better season to, to be analyzing um, one of the most exciting, at least thus far, and in, in RU basketball history. So, um, let's get into the X's and O's of things here. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had a chance to catch up and, and touch base about uh, what has transpired in the, in the world of RU basketball over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and a couple of really big program statement and historical wins. Um, got Purdue and Maryland, and we'll get into Iowa um, and then the most recent game against Northwestern and then look ahead to, you know, some really big upcoming matchups today uh, against Ohio State and Michigan State as well next week, man. So uh, jumping right into things, man, I was out in West Lafayette at Purdue, um, have a really unique opportunity to see the behind the scenes of the preparation, sitting in on film study, seeing everybody's you know, mental approach as you were traveling to each of these games. Um, but RU goes into West Lafayette and has, you know, the, the wherewithal and the stick to to be able to battle with the number one team led by Zach Eady, Coach Matt Painter, one of the best in the country, and take down number one on the road and, and arguably the most ruckus environment in all of college basketball. Man, definitely 
definitely the most ruckus environment in, in all college <laughs> basketball. That place is hard to play. But I'm interested, though, like what, uh, you know, you said you got a chance to to see some of their preparation and mindset. Like what what was some of that, that that you got a chance to see? I'm interested just because, you know, it's I know how hard it is to win in that place. And I know the type of thought process that you need to have as a unit. So, um, you know, maybe if I don't know if they did anything different than we did back when, when uh, we won at Purdue. But, you know, just interested in hearing about that. For sure, man. Um, one of the things that I was I was speaking with somebody about um, what makes this team so unique, and I think one thing that gets overlooked oftentimes is just how good this coaching staff is. And I know that we get into it, and we spoke about this in the past, but Carl Hobbs had to scout, um, and, and there might not be a, a better associate head coach in the entire land, man. And yeah. his prep. I think is one thing that makes him so unique. He's won national championships as a player and a coach, um, but his ability to get guys up, I was ready to run through a wall, man. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. This dude. He gave, he gave one of them pregame speeches. Oh, man. It yeah. was the best. He, yeah, he, was talking about, he was talking about heavyweight fights. You know he's a boxing aficionado yep. um, and how the Big Ten Conference is, is going to go multiple rounds and you know you yep. got to be able to withstand knockout blows and get back up. And they they literally were playing um, uh, all these these crazy videos, you know, to encapsulate what the environment was going to be like for the the kids the night before yeah. after after meal, um, and, and essentially replicating and trying to calibrate from a mental standpoint what they were going to be stepping into, um, and focusing in on what Purdue does very well. They go at their own pace and their own cadence. You can't speed them up. And every action, whatever it is, obviously, as you know, is to get a look for Zach Eady to be yep. able to operate with autonomy in the post. Um, so being very specific and strategic about when you go to double, he's I, honestly, when I had a chance to see him, it was my second chance seeing him live. Obviously, he's a he's a massive dude, man, at seven foot four, seven foot six, whatever you want to call him. But officiating him, man, because he's so physical and he sets it. He sets the premium right from the tip that when you go to double him, if you bump him, they're blowing the whistle. So the foul yeah. differentiation was crazy. Yeah, man. No, nah, I, I, I agree, though, just like the preparation that's been going into these games and has just been amazing. And it's so hard to win on the road. Like it is extremely hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. So the fact that these guys have done it twice now, right? They they or really should have been three times, right? They should have should have won at Ohio State. <laughs> Right. And, uh, you know, they, they went at Purdue, they went at Northwestern. The preparation that these guys uh, have is just it's it's been great to watch. And, you know, you see it in the in the way that they're playing, too. I said it earlier uh, in a tweet. Paul had a scouting report steal against Purdue where Edie set a down screen. And the scouting report against Purdue is anytime Edie sets a down screen, he's immediately posting up and they're looking directly in the post. Paul did a perfect closeout, hands high gets a steal and it led to a Rutgers bucket like that those are just the stuff that you don't you don't get those steals as a freshman or as a sophomore right you get those as a junior and a senior when you're prepared and you know the scout and you're locked in and and you know that's why he's the leader of this team and you're seeing it with all the guys I mean the way Cam Spencer has approached every game has it's 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 a pro approach right the way he's doing Mm -hmm. it is is um it's I've, I've never seen anything like it I've only had a couple of conversations with him obviously he wasn't on the team last year but you know, just from talking to him, you can tell he's just so locked in mentally. And that's not talked about enough in basketball is the mindset, the preparation of what you need to do. Like pe- fans don't see all the stuff that you were just talking about, the showing the videos before the game and 
and the crowd noise and preparing you mentally for what that environment's going to be like. It's not easy just to walk into Purdue and, and get a win. That's not, that doesn't happen very often. Not at all. And one thing that was an interesting take, uh, they switched the game time. It was supposed to be, I think, a noon central time tip, and they were playing in a bowl game the same day, and they ended up getting mm. smacked. So it was a non-event. And I was mm. wondering going into the, the Purdue-Ruckers basketball game if that was going to impact the support that they got from their local fan base. And they were like, no, no, no. Yeah, we had this not. game circled on this <laughs> calendar after that whole Ron Harper Jr. fiasco yeah. where, just to refresh people's memories, RU beat Purdue at the very last second, half-court heave, and made, obviously, national headlines. So they've already done it before. They've proven it in the past, and the Purdue Boilermaker fan base definitely didn't forget it. Yeah, for sure, man. Now that, I knew they weren't going to forget that one. There, there was no way. People were talking about, oh, maybe it's break, right? Students may not show up. No, nah, everybody was going to be there for that one, especially because we beat them last year when they were number one also. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it happened two years in a row is is crazy. But it shows, like you said, what the coaching staff has been doing here at Rutgers. I mean, it, it, it all starts with Coach Pike and his staff. For sure, man. Uh, student section wasn't as uh... – together it was like more local people that were sitting right behind or right near the bench which was interesting but it registered as the second loudest game from a sound decibel standpoint in Mackey Arena history so it doesn't matter if the students are there it's just the way that that building um, is it's kind of set up from an architectural standpoint and they're going to fill it up and there was not a lot of I didn't see any red around the arena and there were certain times where I just couldn't even hear myself think um, that place gets so loud so RU led the majority of the game, which was really impressive um, to see. Uh, and it was a definitive win, able to be able to deal with the ebbs and flows in the adversity um, mm-hmm. and come out with the most historical road win in RU basketball history, which was dope. Yeah, man, I think that's that just like says it right there. Though these guys are these guys are making history, right? They're they're doing things that that has never happened at Rutgers before, and it, it all leads back to that preparation of mindset and, and what these coaches are preaching. But I want to. I want to transition to the to the next game after that, which was Iowa, um, where you know that was the first time where where it really looked like Rutgers was chasing on defense, right? It felt like Iowa just was always ahead in terms of a scheme. Um, you know, they were they were the first team that really broke down that Rutgers defense, and I think part of that, and and a couple people have asked me about this too, but I think part of it was. You know, as as a player, you you read on social media that that you're the best defensive team in the Big Ten. You get all these steals, you mm-hmm. force all these turnovers, mm-hmm. and it's like now, without even thinking about it, you reach a little bit more, you overhelp a little bit more because you're expecting to get that steal. You're the best defensive team, or you're the best defensive player. I should be here to get that steal, and I think we saw a little bit of that against Iowa. Um, you know, where guys were gambling, they were they were reaching, they were overhelping, and Iowa just made the right play every single time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you know, they I think they shot forty four percent from three. Um, you know that that's that that hadn't happened before against Rutgers, and I think we just saw that from that overhelping, reaching, um, and gambling a little bit. I don't know if you saw the same thing. Yeah, it was interesting. I think one thing that separates RU from a defensive standpoint that. Um, that is unique for this year, and I, I talked to I talked to Coach Pike about this. Is the personnel and the interchangeability, the ability yeah. to also switch up his defenses and more so burn clock by yeah. full court pressing, having Watt Mag 
deploying him as, you know, that rover position. Either he's running, jumping, or he's harassing guards as soon as they get that basketball. By the time they cross half court, 10 yeah. seconds is already off the clock. Yeah. Iowa had no issues with that whatsoever. At all. At all. They were very comfortable, and I think that set the tone. And, and to think- your point, when they got the basketball on their side of the court, they have very similar athletes to Rutgers, like a lot yeah. of six foot six to six foot nine interchangeable guys that can handle the, the rock around the arc. Also, Robracha is tough in the paint, and he was creating fits for people. Um, man, he was tough. He had a good game he, too. He was man. Played he, all forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like he yeah. came out. He came out like salivating from the jump. I yeah. think he took that <laughs> game personally for sure. Um, but also Peyton Sanford, man, like going above and beyond. And you talk about keeping by guys at or below their season averages. He went yeah. nuclear. Like he, it was yeah. a, it was a point where he scored on three or four consistent possessions in the second half. They didn't even need McCaffrey and right. Murray, who was in foul trouble for a, a large portion in, of the first half, to be able to win that game. So for them to come into Jersey Mike's arena. It's been a theme. Like, I think basketball is a game of styles, and it's a, a game of matchups. And Iowa, and I'm interested to hear your perspective, has always been a tough matchup for, for RU basketball. Always. Iowa always felt like the game where I knew I was going to score a lot because they don't play much defense. Mm-hmm. But I knew we were going to get scored on a lot too, right? <laughs> we always knew. We always knew Iowa was a tough matchup for us just because of the way they play, the way they run. They never really had trouble breaking our pressure, just like you said. And I think, and, and going back to Purdue, I think that was the difference with Purdue is the, you know those those freshman guards had a little bit of trouble with that pressure. And and like mm-hmm. you said, you know, running that clock down, right? You're not pressing to get a steal. You're just pressing just to to shorten that shot clock in the half court. So Purdue was running sets at 19, 18 seconds, and Purdue's very deliberate with their offense. So now instead of maybe getting four passes, swinging the ball back and forth, it's only two. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that changes a lot for, for an offensive team, for an offensive scheme. But Iowa had, like you said, had no problems with that at all. And I think that goes into having that veteran backcourt. I mean, guys who have been, been in the league for a little bit. For sure, man. And all, all things said and done, I think this obviously won't be the, the last matchup. Are, are you going back out later this month to Carver Hawkeye Arena in, um, in Iowa City, which is going to be a huge rematch opportunity for RU. Mm-hmm. We'll see what they're made of because um, from a Big Ten perspective, at least up until this point, even though they lost to Ohio State, I don't feel that RU has really been challenged to the likes of what the Iowa Hawkeyes have showed they are capable of against this defense. So it'll be a big prove-it opportunity for them. No, I, I agree, man, but I, I want to ask you too. So like, what, what's your take so far on the, on the overall season? Like where... And where do you think you see Rutgers going? Like, do you do you have Rutgers as a potential, you know, Big Ten champion at the end of the season? I, I do. And it's crazy because when I played, um, obviously, we dealt – it was a very tumultuous tenure. Um, a lot of ebbs and flows, not a lot of winning. So some of this stuff that's happening nowadays is like the new and improved Rutgers basketball, a brand new expectation for Rutgers basketball. Sitting in these prep and these film sessions, people are th- people are like anticipating, expecting to be right there at the end of the season from yeah. a Big Ten championship standpoint. Yeah, and obviously that's a culmination of the last couple of years of all the hard work um, and the fact that this is a really good team and they yeah. can compete with anybody because they defend. If RU keeps people below sixty points 
per game on average, they can beat anybody. Yeah. If they try to get into scoring battles with people, the fact of the matter is that there's too, there's too much inconsistency offensively for them to understand where scorings are going to come from on any given night. So I think their identity, they have to be able to lock in and, and really stay true um, and master locking teams up um, and not letting teams get up, get to that season average. And they've done so in every okay. contest besides Iowa. So yep. if they can sustain that, which I think is more sustainable than being able to put the ball in the basket, then I think that this team can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament and no, be I de- in I agree. Big Ten championship territory as well. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I like what you said, too, about their identity. And, I, you know, I was looking at it and, and, you know, they haven't even scored 70 points in a Big Ten game. If mm-hmm. Everything's been under 70. And, and it's, you know, at a certain point, you have to look in the mirror and just be like, that. that's okay. That's who we are. And it's been great just to see it because they haven't really been, you know, scoring a ton of points. Caleb McConnell hasn't been amazing on offense. Cliff hasn't been amazing on offense. And that's and they're fine with that. Like, as as long as you know who you are on the defensive end of the court, then that's going to be able to carry you to a Big Ten championship. And and the other reason why I think that they're going to be in the fight is that I know a lot of these guys, right? I was with a lot of these guys. And you can see the mindset change. Like, when 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 Ron was there and when I, and when I was there, it was always, oh, nobody believes in us. We got to make the, the NCAA tournament. We got to, you know, play well in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. But... That used to piss Paul off. Like, Paul was like, why are we talking about making it? Like, we need to talk about winning the NCAA tournament. Like, that was like, and you and, and you could see him starting to instill that in the guys that are younger than him. You can, and I know Cam Spencer has that mentality for sure. Like, 100%. He has the same mentality as Paul. And I can see that now in Caleb. And you can see it in Cliff and, and Andre and Mawat. And, like, now that's the mindset that they have where it's like, okay, we already figured out how to play well in the Big Ten. We already figured out how to finish top four. We already figured out how to make NCAA tournament. What can we figure out now that those other guys before us couldn't? And and I think that's the mindset that we're seeing and the preparation that we're seeing. Like the fact that they were able to go to Northwestern and who's been playing extremely well and get a win. Mind you, and, and Northwestern had a had a lot of stuff going their way between the referees. Mm-hmm. They had a bank three at the end. I think they were up four. I don't remember how much time was left, but at the very end of the game, they were up four. And it's like, again, back to that mental preparation, being able to, to find a way to win on the road. And then the fact that they were able to go to Ohio State should have got a win, right? The fact they were able to go to Purdue, get a win. We're seeing that shift of, of mindset where it's like, no, we're not here to compete to make the NCAA tournament. We're here to win the Big Ten championship, and we're here to win the, uh, the uh, national championship. For sure, man. And one, a couple of other things just to close the loop on, on this particular segment. You had mentioned Paul Mulcahy. Um, he's been balling as of lately. His steadiness and, again, that uh, leadership that he brings just through, you know, trial by combat. He's been through it in the past. Uh, he led this team in points and was the determining factor in that victory. They also had over Maryland 64 uh, to 50, and you were just talking about that that road victory, most recent. Cam Spencer in that Purdue game had a, a phenomenal game winner on the road to silence the crowd. Did it again uh, in Evanston against Northwestern with Boo Booey uh-huh. and Chase Audis, in addition to locking and, and having those defensive, um, you know, those defensive matchups from somebody that's made big shots at this level in the Big Ten Conference. What's your take on what Cam Spencer has done over the last couple of weeks before we transition over to the next segment. Man, that's killer Cam. 
It's Killer Cam, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I mean, listen, he's just, I got a lot of praise for him, right? You can see it on my Twitter. You're going to hear it on here. The way that he locks in before a game, I've never seen preparation like that. And it's not just his mental, but he's he's on the court last when everyone else leaves and he's just getting mm-hmm. shots up. I mean, his preparation is insane. And, and the thing is, is, even after he makes a shot, it's like he's on to the next game already. Like already yeah. he's not celebrating, right? He's not on social media, so he's not retweeting nope. any, any tweets about him. He's not reposting anything on Instagram. Like he is already focused on the next game. And I think that's what's making him so special. And Big template is, is he's always locked in on the moment, right? He's always locked in on what he's, on what he's trying to get done in that moment. And, and that's, that's really special to see. In terms of the big shots, I mean, that, 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 that takes a lot of different things. It takes courage, which he has. It takes preparation, which he has. And it takes trust from your teammates. And he's, he's gained that trust from, from all the guys around him. They, they trust him in that situation to make that shot. And that's the reason he ends up with the ball. For sure, man. For sure. I, I agree wholeheartedly. A kid that is off the grid and mentally he's pure because none of the noise is getting to him. Yeah. Comes from great tutelage. His family has had success, not only basketball wise, but from a lacrosse standpoint. His brother played at Northwestern, ironically. So I bet that that, had, that game had some more significance. For being sure. able to knock them off in that fashion. Now in the NBA G League affiliate for the Golden State Warriors doing his thing. So think that this is just the beginning for Cam. If he stays for another year, I can imagine him being a true household name by, by next season. He has that capability. Definitely. So man, really already, exciting times for there. sure, man. Really exciting times. Going to switch over to looking ahead um, at what's on the horizon for, for RU in our next scouting report segment. Games today against Ohio State and then next week against Michigan State. So this is going to be warfare, if you will, a battle of the big boys, um, Zeg, Zeg Key and Cliff Amori. And are you, I would imagine, going to have a, a nice little chip on their shoulder after how everything transpired in Columbus, you know, late last year where, you know, just keeping it a buck, they should have won that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody, I mean, the league came out and said it, that, that, that they should have won the game, you know, so that, these guys definitely have a chip on their shoulder, I'm sure. Uh, I think they, they got like a couple of veteran referees as well for the game. So they're making sure that, you know, everything's in order. But, um, you know, obviously Ohio State's still a very tough team and they're coming off of a, a couple of losses as well. So they're they're trying to get back on track right now too. three um, straight losses, most yeah. recently to Minnesota, who a lot mm-hmm. of people don't have high expectations for. So it just know. shows you that it's an arms race in this conference. Yep. But and now it's like, OK, if if I'm Ohio State, if I'm putting myself in their shoes, it's like, we need this win, right? We need we need to go and beat Rutgers, you know, a team that's playing really well. We need this quality win on our resume to to try to make postseason ourselves. So now you, you're putting yourself in their shoes. They're, they're very desperate for a win, and that's dangerous. That's always that's always scary. And coming off of all the emotion of the last game, it could be a potential very dangerous mix going on uh, at Jersey Mike's for the game. Yeah, man, it's it's going to be a a significant game in, in a lot of different ways. And and from Ohio State's perspective, you got Bryce Sensabaugh, the sensational freshman leading the Buckeyes in scoring still at 16 points, Justice Suing at 14, and then Zed Key at 12. And they're reeling, as, 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 to your point, three straight losses. But they're still a phenomenal offensive group, third-ranked offense in the, in the country, top 15 in the country at, the, uh, at offensive rebounding. So that was one thing. Zed Key, 
was snapping up every offensive rebounding by creating position in that first half against Cliff, and then Cliff started to come on in the second half. And they're very efficient defensively. And I was saying this to Jerry that they're not necessarily the tallest team, but they're big in stature because their whole starting five could also play for the Buckeyes football team when you look (laughs) at their physicality. Um, All of them. It's crazy. Even the freshmen, it's like Thornton and Sensabar. Where are they they finding these dudes at? Yo, there's there's some grown men. 6'6", 235 for Bryce Sensabar, who's a freshman. Yeah, I nah, came he, in eating the gym already. Nah, grown, grown men. But I, you know, but as as grown as they are physically, I think the the biggest thing with Ohio State is you know you do have two freshmen. You have a point guard running the show, and then your best player is a freshman. So how are these two acting in the film room? How are they reacting to the losses? Like that's what's gonna make or break Ohio State right now. Is are are your two leaders right? Your point guard has to be a leader, and then your best player has to be a leader. How are they reacting to a three a three loss little skid right now, and and how are they going to um, you know just react to that against Rutgers? Yeah, and the significance of this for for the Scarlet Knights is the the current rankings in the in the conference: Purdue's number one, Michigan State's number two. We'll get to them next. Yep. Rutgers is number three, so you're right in the place where you need to be dangerous to be able to control yep. your own destiny, and and that was one of the other messages that resonated with me from this coaching staff was go out, do what you need to do. And that, you know, when we're talking about the end of February going into March, you earned it. You didn't have to wait on somebody else taking an L for you to to be a conference championship. You went out there and proved that you are as good as some of these other preeminent names in the Blue Bloods that have been at the top of this conference, you know, for many, many years. And for them, it's going to come down to transition defense, man. You got to stop these guards from getting downhill and getting easy easy opportunities uh, in addition to what else they're able to do at scoring at different levels. The rebounding game is going to tell the the, the the overall output of where RU is from a, a mental standpoint and, and if they were ready to tie those, those, those sneakers up and come out and battle from a physicality standpoint as well. Um, Ohio State is 10-1 and one when they win the rebounding war. Mm. So if they win that battle, then they're probably going to win this game. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, you know, that, that, that comes down to Cliff, right? Like, Cliff, how are you going to perform against Zed Key, who is super physical, super active, and he talks a little bit of trash too, right? And this this dude isn't, like you said, isn't the tallest, isn't the most athletic, but he knows how to create his space. And I think Cliff, we saw it with, with Rabracha earlier against Iowa. Cliff struggles usually against these type of guys where they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're not the most athletic, they're not the tallest, but they're super physical. And, and they know how to create that space and maybe a little bit quicker than Cliff is, uh, you know, on post moves. So that's something that we need to see Cliff step up. And I think it comes down to him and then Paulie as well. Every time Paul is aggressive in terms of scoring, everything else opens up. They haven't lost a game yet where he scores in double figures. So like yeah. everything that if if Paul is aggressive on offense, he's scoring, that's going to everyone now has to pay attention to him and that's where he gets his assist. He starts to kick it out. That's where Cam gets open shots. Andre gets open shots. Maybe you find Cliff on a lob and that's kind of where the offense opens up for Rucker. So I think Paul and Cliff right now are the two most important guys for this, this game. Agreed. I think they set the tone and um, I said uh, Paulie hit a, a, a three-pointer right in front of the Rucker's bench against Northwestern, which not only gave the team life, but you could just see the relief that it, it puts on mm-hmm. him to start to play with a little bit more fluidity 
And his game builds when I think he sees shots go in, to your point, especially from deep, because he can make them. Yeah. Everybody can make them at this level. It's just a matter of them taking them and right. taking them confidently and trusting your motions and the work that you put in. And if he's confidently rising up, it just opens up so much room for other people to maneuver. And then he starts diamond. He starts getting yeah. into the paint and playing off two and pivoting and posting little guards up, man. So yep. he's hitting his stride at the right time. Oh, absolutely, man. Nah, he's, he's been fun to watch for sure. He's a great leader too. For sure, man. And then, you know, on the heels of this, you you, go, you roll right into East Lansing, you know, mid next week, and you got Sparty waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And, and they're coming off of a <laughs> tough loss to Illinois, 75-66, man. So you talk about a heavyweight fight. Everybody is winning and people are taking losses. And you look at the, the bottom of this conference standings. You got Indiana that's sliding drastically and they were coming into this season expected to run away with this conference with with tjd and some of the other guys that they have you know in their formidable lineup man anything that you like from michigan state and and how do you fare Rutgers will match up with them well here's the thing that i said about michigan state before the season started was you should never bet against tom Izzo, right i mean we're talking about a, a hall of fame coach who's been through all the battles uh, you know, he's won multiple Big Ten championships. This guy knows what he's doing. Uh, there was a lot of talk about how they didn't bring in a lot of guys in the transfer portal. They didn't find a big man, whatever it is. At the end of the day, it's 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 Tom Izzo. It's Michigan State. They're going to run and they're going to rebound. All right. So, you know, you have that combination and then you add in that veteran backcourt that they have with Walker and Hoggard. That's dangerous. That's dangerous, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that that's a veteran backcourt who's been through the battles. They know how to win games. You have a veteran coach, been through the battles, knows how to win games. And then you have Michigan State culture, which is run and rebound. These guys are always going to be at, in, you know, in the fight at all times. And we're seeing that right now. Dangerous. I feel like when you have a program uh, and uh, you have sustainable excellence, to your point, Tom Izzo is obviously an integral part in that. And mm-hmm. he has the, the, the formula for guys to come in, plug and play, and to try to replicate some of the success that they've had in the past. But Tyson Walker, Joey Hauser, A.J. Hogarth, these guys have seen it before. They've been through these battles. Jaden uh, Akins, you got guys here um, that know what it takes, especially in January, to be able to sustain and, and, and get some victories to keep them right in contention. So it's not going to be sweet. And obviously, oh, this is going to be a crucial two games because if RU's not able to come up with these victories, then it just makes things even more difficult for them. So uh, I like the matchup from a coaching standpoint. I've been liking, you know, some of uh, the, the reactions of, of, of Coach Peichel, um to certain scenarios from an offensive standpoint coming out of timeouts. I think that he's mm. gotten so much better with that. Uh, and, and that Cam Spencer look at against Northwestern, prove that um, role oh, yeah. and replace action, be able to yeah. free him up on the weak side completely naked, and then Cam just gets into what he does well. So I think that all those things consider where the personnel is, where the, the, the how confident some of these, these kids are playing right now, and the fact that Coach Pico is coaching them up and his staff is doing a phenomenal job in the scouts, this is a very dangerous team. Oh, man, definitely not. And even going back to that play to get Cam open, I mean, it was just the perfect three guys in the in the scenario. I mean, you have Paul coming off the screen, Cliff rolling, best dunker in the country. Paul's the best passer in the country. 
now it's just make your decision and pick your poison. And, you know, he made the right one and found Cam for an open three. But I, I agree, though. I think Coach Pikes has done a lot better this year with just overall offensive flow. Like, I think that there, there's a couple more passes before getting into your sets. Um, you know, you're, you're not only running stuff for Cam, but you're running stuff for Paul. You're running stuff for Cliff. There's so many different options. And the fact that these guys, you know, none of them are really shot creators. Uh, it, it kind of ends up being a good thing uh, just because, the, you know, there's there's no, like, real scout for it, whereas before it was like, oh, guard Ron and guard Gio, and, it was, and, and that was the scout. And you don't really see that this year with this team. You know, it's a lot more ball movement, a lot more offensive flow, and that's a lot harder to guard overall. For sure, man. And, and not to mix or overlook Caleb McConnell um, and his ability, as we saw against Notre Dame and Dayton, uh, and, and even a couple of contests this year that he has thoroughly expanded his offensive bag. Like he can go into a, a bunch of different things and score at his own pace. You're not speeding him up anymore. And he's comfortable, I think, in his size and stature, um, being able to post guys up and get to his fadeaway. So you can, you account for him also going off, you know, periodically. And that changes uh, your your game planning as well for Coach Pico, but also for opposing teams. Um, Andre Hyatt, as you had just touched on, Derek Simpson, yo, know, like it's tough being a freshman at this level. And it ain't easy. Be, it ain't <laughs> thrown into the fire, man. He's learning like, it. He's learning it. <laughs> but I, I I really love his mental approach because oh, yeah. even if he's not scoring, he always comes in looking to add an instant microwave type of reaction for yeah, this team man. in some capacity. He gets out in uh, passing lanes now. And one thing that he does exceptionally well is he sees the floor. He makes mm-hmm. some really, really good reads, man. So gets he draws two. He drops it off to, you know, his teammates. So he, I know we talk about what he can do from a scoring standpoint and in transition, but I do think that his ability to read the floor has gotten significantly better, too, over the last couple of months. Yeah, man, he's just going to continue to adjust. I mean, when you're a freshman in this league, it's it's never easy. You're going up against grown men. Right. And, and you're in these new road environments. Um, you know, that's something you just don't experience in high school. And there's just so many little things that you learn along the way. You learn from the mistakes that you're making. And, and you know, eventually those mistakes will change. That's just the way it goes. So he's he's having to go through that right now. And the other part is, you know, he has guys in front of him. You have Paul Mulcahy, Cam Spencer. So he's not getting as as many reps as, you know, maybe Paul did as a freshman or I did as a freshman. So it's going to take a little bit longer, and that's just the way it goes um, in this league. And, it, and it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's tough. That's why when a freshman is as good as, as sensible, that's when it really starts to, to raise a bunch of eyebrows because, you, you know, you see, you know, the way that, uh, you know, most freshmen usually have to adjust and they struggle a little bit. So, um, yeah, man. you know, but looking forward, looking forward to seeing Derek's progress. Um, you know, I get, I get to talk to him a good amount, so I always – I always enjoy our conversations and I always enjoy his approach to it. Like you said, like, you know, he's just constantly learning and he's happy that, that they're winning. Like at the end of the day, he has the right mindset about the games and, and winning in general. For sure, man. He, I think that he is under excellent guidance to hear that he's connecting with you. There's nobody better, obviously, to be able to set proper expectations. Um, and he has he's a local flavor, man. So he has his family and his support. Um, but want to transition over to Word on Campus. Obviously, there's been a lot 
of different topics over the last couple of weeks that we can sink our, our teeth into. But you came out with, I think, a tweet that was very, very spot on and timely considering where we are in the season. You know, this is where all of the preseason rankings um, and the expectations that people have for groups go out the window and yep. the results start to speak for themselves. So case in point, Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis being the preseason player of the year, and a lot of people had them build as potential Big Ten champions and easily. Um, they haven't been playing too well as of late, and that's just the, the nature of sports. You're going to win games, you're going to lose games. But one thing that's always been problematic, I'm thinking about to when I was a player, and even more so nowadays with – you know, how vocal people are and the access that they have to you with all these different yeah. social media platforms is the feedback that you get from your fans, from opposing fans. Everybody has an opinion, man. So you had mentioned something about, um, you know, something that happened in Indiana and I'll let you get into it and then I'll, and then I'll, and I'll, I'll give my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, um, you know, I got a chance to see the, the Barstool Indiana page, you know, just poking fun at, at Indiana basketball by like getting your hopes up and then being let down, being disappointed, whatever it is. And under it though, was just all Indiana basketball players just commenting like, oh, you know, F y'all or, you know, don't show love when it changes and all this stuff. And it's like, you're starting to see, basically what I tweeted out was, look, the, the meme really wasn't that bad, but it was, it was the boiling point because there were so many other tweets that they were getting. Trace Jackson Davis, I don't know if you saw this, he received a letter. Did you see that? I saw that. that yeah, well. like he received a letter from a fan like telling him how bad of a leader he was. And it's like, it's like at a certain point, any person is going to crack. Like there's going to be a boiling point. And as an athlete, like we, we have to deal with that. Like that's part of, that is part of the game, right? Is dealing with the fans, dealing with the public dealing with all these opinions. Um, but Indiana, I think, is like on another level. And, I, and I'm starting to see that, too, by, you know, interacting with some of the Indiana fans. You can see that they they are just a little bit more passionate than, you know, some other fan bases. Um, but basically what I, I was just talking about was, you know, imagine, imagine being at your job and you're just getting berated 24-7, <laughs> like for whatever it is that your job is. And like and that's that's what's happening right now in college athletics is these guys are under a microscope. And every single little thing that they do, they're getting, uh, you know, complaints. People are are mad about something. Then they're praising you the next day for something else. And it's like it's back and forth, back and forth. So the the, the best college basketball players are able to stay level-headed and just block out the noise completely. But like you said, the way social media is now, that's damn near impossible. And, and NIL, too, brings another factor into it because now you kind of need to be on social media to make some dollars too right mm -hmm. you, need, you need to be on social media to build your personal brand so, yeah so i think if you add that that nil perspective into the whole equation then you know you get you're starting to see it with indiana and you may see it with some other teams too so you know i'm honestly i'm just hoping that those guys in indiana aren't taking you know taking it too personal from some of these fans they're staying locked in on the game plan and we touched on it a little bit before you know they're obviously skidding a little bit right now as a team so you know the last thing you want to do is be on social media arguing with fans right you you want to keep it internal and make sure that you know all the guys are just locked in on one thing which is winning a big 10 championship for sure man obviously people feel entitled when they support teams and they donate to teams and they come out and exert their energy to to be at games and, and things of that nature but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes um in regards to what college kids 
put in from a preparation standpoint. It's a full-time job, man. It starts way back over the summer. But look at the bigger picture. This is something that you've been committed to for the the duration of your entire life, man, uh, as a as a grassroots student athlete. So nobody wants to win more than, than college kids. It's just a matter of the fact that it's very hard to win Division I basketball games. And you're not going to win every contest. You're not going to mm-hmm. have the greatest season every year. So for people to put that energy out there, I think it simply I, I wish that honestly, like we could get some of these people on a basketball court and actually just check it up and see what they're about at the end of the day. Keep that same energy. Come over. And, and I would like to see how you would perform in these predicaments, because at the end of the day, it's hard. You're going up against really talented individuals um, and it's not easy. Um, and, and back to your point about if people had a microscope into their day to day and and we could see how they would perform if they were constantly be berated. There will be nothing to see because that's why there are HR departments and that's why there are all these, you know, different things that you can leverage to be able to make sure that you don't have these problems. None of that exists in college basketball. You got to be tough. You got to stick through it. So at the end of the day, it's it's a definite problem. Um, it's going to remain like nothing's going to change. Like to Cam Spencer's point, that's why he's off of it. But is yeah. that, you know, ultimately also deterring his ability to maximize his NIL potential? You know, maybe it is. It's just kind of you you pick your poison. But really, really valid point, man. I think that uh, you hit the nail square on the head there, man. And we we went through a lot here in this episode. Um, And and just to sign off here, man, any any final thoughts uh, that you have over the next couple of weeks and and for Rutgers basketball all in all? Man, just excited. You know, I think Ohio State and Michigan State, you think about the top dogs, the Blue Bloods, and the Big Ten. I mean, these are two of them right here. So, um, you know, excited to see how Rutgers fares against them. I never got a chance to win at Michigan State, so I'm excited to see these guys try to take on that challenge and, and figure out a way to win uh, in a very tough environment. And, you know, just looking forward to the days ahead. I think Rutgers basketball is in a great place right now. You got anything left, man? For sure, man. I, I've never been out to East Lansing. I've almost completed the, the the trip of every Big Ten arena up until this point as a as a spectator and as a commentator. So excited to get out there. It's going to be tough nonetheless. And I think that every game is obviously important, but these next two games are significantly crucial for RU basketball to really solidify themselves in that Big Ten championship conversation. You lose these two or you, you go one and one, obviously you're still in good position, but losing two, it's really difficult, I think. Yep. And you, you make things really tough, especially with the a road slate uh, impeding. Um, So we'll see, man. Next episode, we'll dive into it and we'll look back in retrospect to see how things transpire, man. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, to another episode of Are You Listening? Brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Um, Looking forward uh, to the next episode and and we'll talk to you guys soon. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.